your host for today's episode. I'm so glad you're joining me. Hey, I want to tell you about a couple things before we jump into our episode. First off, head over to your socials, Facebook or Instagram, and follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights all the ministries of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. It includes our blog called Planted, great content. It includes our Mom to Mom Ministry for Mothers. It includes our Regarding Him Conference. It happens yearly in March. And of course, it includes this podcast, Unshaken. There's so much good content you are going to want to follow, so do it today. That will be in our show notes each and every week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory. It helps us out, but it also helps you out because you get notification of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you have ideas, suggestions, or even thoughts about an episode that you heard. Finally, as you know, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's head into today's episode. All right, well, welcome back to episode 102. We are going to be talking about our book chat that we're focusing on right now called Learning Contentment by Nancy Wilson. Erica Simpson is back with me. Thanks, Erica, for coming. My pleasure. Thank you, Julie. Okay, so many lessons from last time. Mm -hmm. Do you think so? Yes, I do. Yeah, if you didn't listen, you need to go back to book chat number one from the summer (laughs) (laughs) because you'll want to listen to that before we start talking today. What was one of your um, favorite things from this past week, Erica? One of my favorites from last week was just some concentrated time with my kids. Uh I began the week with all kinds of ideas and expectations, but I realized I was probably going to be a real killjoy if we (laughs) stuck to all of my expectations. No, we are going to play this game. (laughs) I just hear myself saying that. You will like it too. I actually was thinking, no, we are going to wash windows. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you were all my killjoy. Yeah, so anyways, I loosened up, and obviously uh, I had to pray quite a bit that I would be joyful in whatever Mm. we were going to do each day. So I just want to thank God. My focus was just spending time with them, and we did get some work done too, but we didn't wash windows, but um, as much as possible, and just, you know, helping me focus on being content in that, and it was great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, one of my faves from this past week was I found a dress that I loved. Oh, I, I, I really needed a new dress, and I just dislike shopping. I would much rather just order everything online, but mm. it just takes so much time. I think that's why I dislike it. And then you have to try on all those dresses in front of dressing room mirrors, which give you every single angle of your body, and I don't want to see that either. Um, and it's just, oh. So I needed a new dress for a couple of events this summer, so when I went out to look. And I also will say I'm in that stage where I really can't just shop anywhere. I'm... I can't shop where like 24 year old women shop. I just, the things just don't look good on me. And then people are like, my girls who are in their teens and early 20s are like, what are you doing? You know? (laughs) I understand. I went to a store recently and I was shopping for my daughters and I thought, I do not have a pulse on what is in style. (laughs) No. I get it. So I found something and I was so happy and it was 40% off, which was even better. Mm -hmm. So. I guess we'll get to a conversation about body image coming up in a future episode. I think that one will be helpful to me because 
I don't really want to ever stand in front of those dressing room mirrors again. <laughs> I don't enjoy that either. <laughs> like, forget it. I'll just take them home and try them on. And yes. I have like this, one of those skinny mirrors. So I think it makes me feel skinnier. So <laughs> are you ready today, Erica, to talk about um, our book chat, Learning Contentment? Yes. Um, we're going to take a look at chapter three and four today, but we're going to start with three. It's called Discontent. <laughs> That's a title. Oh. Just Discontent. Um, do you have this contentment thing all down, Erica? Oh. You ready? Oh, yes. <laughs> ready to get more black eyes. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, I'm sure I'll be working on this one until I die, as yeah. I'm sure we all can say the same. Yes, absolutely. Why don't you give us a quick summary of Chapter 3? Okay, well, as you already mentioned, the title is called Discontent. And so sometimes you can learn a lesson more thoroughly when you learn the unlesson or the hmm. opposite of lesson. So chapter three is the chapter on what uncontentment looks like. In other words, discontentment. Yeah. So Julie, can you define discontentment? Okay, well, I like to look at the original definition of the, of the good word, contentment, <laughs> uh -huh. like you said. Um, so that would be the ability to stay satisfied with God's will in all circumstances, whether easy or difficult. So I guess the basic discontentment definition is not staying satisfied with God's will in all of my circumstances. Mm. Um, but the basic definition that she writes in the chapter is discontent is ingratitude. Wow. I mean, that's only three words, but that is super powerful. Mm -hmm. Discontent is ingratitude. Erica, what usually accompanies discontent? Well, um, Discontent, this is from Nancy Wilson here, I'm quoting something she said, but um, discontent is actually a refusal to thank God, just mm. as you said. It is ingratitude. So it includes ingratitude, complaining, grumbling, and murmuring. So I think anytime that we become angry about our circumstances or we, get, we begin to feel put upon, it's like saying, no, thank you, God. You aren't taking care of this the way I think you should. And so mm. I think it's like the Israelites in the desert. We can say, um, this is not what I expected, and it's not what I want. Can you give me something else, please? Something right, different, something right. better. And so discontentment often leads us into jealousy, covetousness, or just a general malaise. And really, like the Israelites, it displays a lack of faith. Yeah. That's but, interesting. It leads to a whole bunch of other sins. Yeah. They're like is. layer sins. So, like, yeah, how does this discontent affect us? And how does it affect others? Well, if discontentment's definition is ingratitude, then honestly, that is, again, us thinking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, she writes in the book that discontent is a prideful attitude of the heart. We're back to pride being a root. Mm -hmm. And she gives some really good examples. But kind of to summarize, Nancy focuses on the fact that oftentimes our discontentment is camouflaged. We don't always show it to everybody. But hidden sin is always, always comes out at some point. You know, discontent's like a simmering pot. And if we don't stop the discontentment in our heart, it will eventually boil over all over everybody around us. And it won't be necessarily look like discontentment, but it will be really undesirable responses. It might have some forbidden sins. It'll be flagrant disobedience all over the people around us. Sin starts small, and, it's not, and if not checked, it grows rapidly. Um, and discontent helps us to lose all perspective because we're all focused on that one thing. I don't know if you remember VeggieTales. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was a, an, a VeggieTales episode that was called The Rumor Weed. Mm. I can still hear the song in the background. I will not sing it. But, <laughs> and it, the, the premise of it was there was this little little weed in the sidewalk and, you know, the vegetables were yeah, walking along, I you know. that one, I think. And, um, you know, it, 
it's about rumors and how rumors spread and how that's, that rumor just kept growing and growing and growing. And as I was thinking about discontentment and how it affects us, I was thinking about how the same thing is true for discontentment. When we're discontent, it starts small, but then it kind of ekes over into all of our areas of our lives. So we might be discontent about one thing, but then pretty soon we become discontent about many things in our lives. Um, and usually discontentment is not the only sin we struggle with. It's actually mingled in with a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously our sin always affects others. I, I was just thinking about a specific way that I think mothers often are discontent. And I will say this because I have actually done this. So mm-hmm. this is just, you know, real, real life example. Okay. Um, if one of my kids is, you know, not in the group, the church youth group's cool group, or if they're not at, in the cool group at school, or they don't get to play as often on the team, or get chosen to do, I don't know, whatever, I can become discontent in my heart and I can hold on to that, okay? So my kids are not discontent, they're just living their normal lives, doing their normal things, but I'm discontent for mm-hmm. them, right? Mm-hmm. And so now it's my sin, but then I can encourage my kids to sin because I have conversations with them that become focused on what they don't have. Like I could say, oh, it's so sad that you're not in that group. If those kids only knew what a great kid you were, they would want you to be a part of it. Or I don't know why their mothers aren't telling them to include you. I mean, I'm telling them, I'm telling you to include them, you know. Um, Or I don't know why your coach doesn't, you know, put you out there. You are really good at whatever. And we actually encourage our kids to sin. And I I will be honest that I have done this in my life. Um, Because we are discontent and our kids don't even know They should be discontent about Mm -hmm. something, but we sort of like introduce it to them. Mm -hmm. And instead of teaching our kids to be content, we actually teach them to be discontent, Mm. which is kind of hard to think about, but I think it's something we should be processing. And there's a way that we, our discontentment affects other people. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing though that's interesting that I think is tricky, like um, in those situations, it doesn't mean that we should never encourage our kids to be friends with new friends new kids or that we should never if our child never plays um you know in the game ever it doesn't mean they can't ever appropriately go and speak right Mm -hmm. to the coach and say is it possible i could get some play time you know i've been at practice every time and i've sat the bench for the past 18 games you know what i mean okay so what about you does contentment mean we can't improve our situation what do you think yeah i mean i certainly don't have all the answers to this question this was hard to kind of Divide, but you got a good question, a hard question. This (laughs) This was hard. Let me say that. Um, I think that it's really basic and a good question we have to ask when you're talking about contentment. Am I only to be content and never make movements towards change, or because that would be discontentment, or is it okay for me to improve my situation? Mm -hmm. So a simple answer is yes, of course. If you're overweight, you can eat better. You can move more. If you're in a difficult marriage, you can do the personal heart work to obey God and uphold your vows in your marriage. If there's ongoing sin causing hardship, you can address it biblically. You can pray. You can talk. You can seek advice. You can ask for a change of situation. Or you can try to implement change. Um, You can pray some more. (laughs) But it would be foolish for me to make simple blanket statements here. Like, in general, the first way we can improve our situation is by beginning with doing the work within our own heart and to do what is possible in so much as we are able. Yeah. 
So doing our duties in whatever situation we face, good or bad, just by doing our duties, we can significantly improve our situation. So we should start there. But, you know, I mean, there's so many different situations you could come up with that, yes, you can improve your situation. It doesn't mean you're discontent, but it's a heart check. And so start there. Yeah, I think it's really good, though, in addition to that, if you're struggling with whether you should be trying to improve your situation, is to get some wise advice, Mm -hmm. right? To go to somebody and talk them through it. Yeah, that's good. And talk about the concern. Maybe you are like, I just don't want to be doing this out of discontentment. Yes. So I, I, I just think that it's good to, to talk with somebody. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's helpful. That's really good. I agree. So how does discontent, though, cloud our perspective? Sometimes we get clouded up. Yeah. And I, I get this question, and that's because I often am clouded in my brain here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's age or if it's discontent, okay? <laughs> you know, in a short answer, I just think we're focused on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. We're focused on what we want, what we think we need, what our hearts are telling us we should have, and we're not focused on what God has called us to do. We're not focused on the work that Jesus did on the cross for us, and we're not focused on the work that God's put in front of us for us to do. It's really just about our focus is right. You know, the blinders on the horse that keep him going down the, you know, down the track. Mm-hmm we got to get our blinders on so we're focused on the right thing because we're looking all around us, which makes us discontent. Mm. Um, Let's, you know, I think we have to apply this to us. Like, what is one way that we could apply it? You know, Erica, you and I are going to both answer this question. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually asked this to you who are listening also. What is one way that you're going to apply the idea of not being discontent? And while you're listening, the listeners are thinking about it. Erica, you tell us yours. Okay. Well, um, there's currently something going on in our lives which it seems to be unjust. And when it first showed up, I was very angry and I was upset at the situation that we were being put into. And actually, it was making me sluggish in my desire to be in the Word and prayer because I was feeling a bit abandoned by God. Mm. Like, how can this be good? Um, and this book chat was a really timely provision because I started into the book and Right off the bat, I was reminded how God will use every situation for my good. Um, That doesn't mean he'll only bring me good things or smiling circumstances. That is not the promise. The promise is that he will use every situation. And that situation might be good or bad, might be terrible, might be unjust, it might be evil, but he will use it for my good. Mm. And he will convert and configure all the effects of that situation into my eventual and eternal good. So I can trust him in this promise, and for that reason, I can have the courage to be content and to rest in Mm. him, even in an unrestful situation. Yeah, I think, um, and also to add to that, I don't think that God's timing is exactly like our timing is. Yeah. I mean, to understand what (laughs) eternal is, I can't even wrap my brains around it. (laughs) So God's timing looks very different, and so although... The promise is there in that it will be for my good. It doesn't mean that we will see that good today. That's true. And I think we need to remember that God's timing is much different. Mm -hmm. I think a basic way to practice contentment is being thankful. I think I'm going to look this week for ways to be thankful, like to those who are in my life, my family, my friends. I think it just cultivates a habit of thankfulness towards people. That's what I need to work on. Like trying to be thankful each day to my kids and thank them for the things they do. And my husband who works hours upon hours 
mm-hmm. for my family and also to those outside of my family that I run across. You know, I don't, my daughter now works at a grocery store and I think she can tell me like how rare it is for people to thank her when she bags their groceries. Mm. And I know she's getting paid, but there are, it really sticks out when someone does. Mm. Um, maybe choosing to speak thankfulness two, three, four more times than I do criticism. I mean, as parents, we sometimes do need to say hard things to our kids, but to load them up with encouragement and thankfulness. I think Mm, that's good. That is good. All right, let's make a list again. You ready for a list? I'm ready. What are some ways that you could tell me right now that you're thankful? Well, because it's spring, I am thankful for yellow dogwoods. I love those trees and pink magnolia. (laughs) Oh, yes. I Um, love those. Yes. I am thankful for the Bible studies that I've been in this year. I am thankful for my mom who is celebrating her uh, milestone birthday this year. Also, I have to just say God preserved her life. She nearly died 40 years ago. Wow. My whole life is different with her rather than without her. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for audiobooks. Yeah. And I'm thankful to be a wife and mom and a homemaker. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. I I was thinking as we went through these, I could share a hundred things right now. I'm thankful for good shoes huh. today. My, I have some Birkenstocks. My daughter talked me into buying them, and I thought, these are so expensive. I love them. Uh, I like almost sleep in them. They're nice. so comfortable. <laughs> um, I call them my house shoes, and then I wear them everywhere. So uh, I just wear my house shoes everywhere. Um, I am thankful for the book of First John. I just finished studying it and with a lovely group of ladies. It was so good. It was so, so good to remember all. That's a good book, and it's so short. Uh, Um, I'm also thankful for my brother and sister who live near me and you know we just really desire to have a good relationship so in the past month we've I've had a little issue with both of them and you know what we solved it Mm -hmm. and I am thankful for restoration Mm -hmm. and I am thankful that they we both all three of us decided we'd rather all still be in community together than to be mad about stupid things so I I appreciate that I'm also thankful for a dear friend who always encourages me Every time I'm struggling to keep my eyes on Christ, I mean, literally, I don't know how many times she's texted me that when I was going through hard stuff. Mm. And I love my Friday nights out with my husband. Mm. I love those things. So it's your turn to start making a list. And maybe you want to grab a journal or put it on a whiteboard or something so that you can practice thankfulness in the midst of discontentment um, or to counteract discontentment. Mm. Okay, let's jump into chapter four. It is called Godliness with Contentment. So chapter four comes right after we discuss discontentment. So this one is focused on how we can have contentment and how this is actually a godly thing to do. Nancy Wilson walks us through three direct steps to dealing with discontentment. So here they are. Number one, identify and confess the sin, which I think we have to start with always. Number two, recognize and resist the temptation to be discontent, which I think being thankful is a great counterbalance of that. And number three is replacing discontentment with true Christian contentment. She focuses on the fact that these are all a choice and how we view things all around us. We can choose to be thankful and grateful for the things God has given to us, or we can choose to complain Hmm. and we need to make the choice. Erica, what is godliness though? Well, when I looked up the definition of godliness, it says the quality or practice of conforming to the laws and wishes of God, devoutness and moral uprightness. Mm. So to be wise is to live in godliness, reflecting the nature of the kingdom of God. And godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm. It is profitable for all things, having the promise 
of the life that is now and also the life which is to come. Okay. So that kind of goes back to when we were talking about eternal perspective, you yeah. know, thinking long term. It's it's for now and for later. So yeah. what that's like a double whammy. Yeah. Um so Julie, first Timothy four verse eight talks about this. How is godliness profitable? Okay, well I'm gonna start a little earlier than verse eight because it starts in the middle of a sentence, okay? Mm. Um and I think it's good to read the whole thing. So this is first Timothy four, seven through nine. Um, And it says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. And actually, I just want to read her definition or commentary on this verse. She says, godliness is good for both our souls and in the life now, and in the life to come. And if we add some contentment to it, Paul says it is great gain or a big plus, you know. So contentment should be connected to godliness and godliness is connected to obeying God's commands. I just think she summed it up well um, that I just, the two are so strongly connected. Mm. Uh, I think it's really, really good. How, how can you or how do you cultivate contentment, Erica, with just food and clothing? Mm. Like that's what it says we should do. Right. Um, this is big for me. I, we've raised, we're raising a big family and my husband's self-employed and we've been through all kinds of seasons with that. Mm. So, uh, it's definitely been an area where I have grown in faith by trusting God for food and clothing. Um, so some practical things I do often, I would just pray before I go shopping mm. that I won't be greedy, but instead that I would trust God to help me be a good steward. I often pray that God will help me find what we need for a good value. Also, in the kitchen, when I'm using the food I buy, I just try to remember the old saying, waste not, want not. Hmm. So being faithful with the resources that we have and trying to use things well. Um, I have always tried to, you know, do what I can with what I have. So that means keeping good care of our clothes. (laughs) Sometimes Mm -hmm. the stack was huge and I would never get to it. And then sometimes I would mend the clothes pretty quickly and that always helps. But... Um, just trusting God to stretch and multiply and even praying that our shoes don't wear out like yeah. the Israelites, you know, yeah, that God I remember would preserve that. that. Yeah, like they were walking in that desert, desert. for yes. years. 40 years yeah. and their shoes did not yeah. run out. So yeah. if God can do that for him, he can yeah. extend the life of our possessions. Yes. <laughs> but I love how she says, what's in the cupboard? Be creative and glorify yeah. God with it. You might not have all the finest foods you want or... Um, you know, all the designer clothes, but who cares? Like, be grateful for what we have. I have so many amazing stories, um, I won't rehash them here, but of God providing for our family, and I'm sure all of us could, if we're looking for that, see how he has just gifted us with um, timely gifts when we needed them. Um, One in particular, can I tell a story? You can. Actually, I'm all about stories. I know you're good at telling them. So one in particular, um, we had my my daughter was little, and she loved purple, and she loved Disney princesses, and she (laughs) wanted a new bike, but we did not have money for to get her new bike. So we were going to get one secondhand somewhere, and it probably was just going to be a basic bike. Um, one day we're out walking in our neighborhood and my neighbor was riding a purple princess bike Aww. and she literally stopped in the sidewalk with her mouth open and she's like, Oh, your uh. bike. And it was very, <laughs> she just loved that bike. 
So I was trying to help her be grateful for what she had, and uh, we moved along. Well, we had a family at the time. All their kids were older than ours, and they shopped like crazy and had bought, you know, lots of really nice things, and they would bless us with those things often. And um, the one day, um, his name was Joel, brought by a big load of things, and I would sort through them and see what we could use, and then I would pass the rest on. But sure enough, right in that pile of stuff was the exact bike that oh, my daughter wanted. Awesome. And I just cried. I just <laughs> was like, God is so good mm-hmm. to not only give us a bike, but the exact one yep. that she... And so I made sure to tell her that. And I've told her that several times. Like, God is good. Yep. He provides. And it might not have come brand new from the store, yep. but it didn't matter. It was yep. absolutely a gift from God. So... I think when we look at our lives with faith and we trust God to be our provider, he owns the cattle on a thousand mm-hmm. hills. Yep. Um, he can bring us anything that is needed at any time. So yeah. I think that's... And I love that you... Get, the other side of that is when, when this family, they were not stingy with the items. Right. They weren't like trying to sell you everything. Oh, no. They were such a gift. Yeah. Right. They, were, they were being very generous. So the other side is when you do have plenty mm-hmm. be generous with it mm-hmm. right that's a great that's point. a great way to not hold too tightly to it and be like you know we're going to keep this bike for our grandkids you know who will never want to ride it but we're going to keep it anyway you know mm-hmm. or whatever we're we're just going to be generous mm-hmm. i think that's really good mm-hmm. so julie do you ever recognize discontent if you want things and you don't have the money for them and mm-hmm. how do you keep content in, in such times as this well i was thinking about how discontentment um in wanting things is actually you know, coveting, which is one of the God's moral laws in the Ten Commandments. And we are told very clearly, do not covet. I think one of the ways that I struggle or that probably is a pretty common thing is the internet. Mm. Um, we can fall into coveting virtually daily. And I don't even want to. Like, I'm not thinking, I'm going to go look at the store, but like, I can talk, I'm talking to today to you about that purple bike. I'll probably have an ad on my phone when I get done here today for <laughs> yes, a purple bike. That's true. And so no matter what it is, it seems as though um, there's just going to be those things that are in front of us. And it doesn't mean that we can't buy a new pair of tennis shoes or a new sweater. I think really we have to go back to the heart, mm-hmm. which we've talked about a lot. And anytime we talk about sin, we have to talk about going back to the heart because sin isn't just in the actions. It's in our heart and then it comes out in the actions. And that's why discontentment is kind of tricky um, because sometimes, as we mentioned earlier, we don't even realize it's discontentment because we call it something else. So. For example, instead of calling it complaining, we we call it giving advice, Hmm. right? Or instead of listing all the wrongs of a person, we call it wanting to just help them be better by telling them the ways they've, you know, bothered me. Hmm. Or instead of realizing that we're not content in our spot, we um, we say, well, everyone should have positions fairly. You know, like everybody should get the same playtime on the team, right? Hmm. And we should all be given this chance, is what we we say. Hmm. It's just interesting how we dress up sin but discontentment is just straight sin. And so we just have to ask the Lord to reveal it to us. Mm-hmm. And we need to make a choice to not be discontent. Mm-hmm. I think it's so easy in our world with our phones, with our computers to be discontent. Because I tell you what, I, I actually recently was um, looking at an article that was the 10 best things. Okay, here's a true story. 10 best things unknown that you can buy on Amazon. Now, did I need anything? No. (laughs) But I was looking through that article, and one of them was this really cool pickle container. Mm -hmm. And you put your pickles in the top, 
And then when you flip it over, the juice goes to the bottom, so you can just reach in and grab your pickles. Oh, wow. It was like 10 bucks. It really wasn't a big deal. But uh -huh. at that moment, I thought, I need that pickle container. <laughs> so I bought it. Now, I don't know if it's a sin. We eat pickles a lot in my house. I think it will actually be helpful to me. But mm -hmm. that's just a simple example of what you said earlier about the fact that our marketing world's mm -hmm. like telling us you need this. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to be aware of it because if not, we'll end up just um, becoming discontent about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Why is it such a snare though to want to be rich? Because that would solve it if we just had all the money in the world. <laughs> um, and does this mean that all rich people, whatever you consider to be rich, have fallen into the snare? Are they all sinful for having money? Mm. Well, another easy question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm trying to give you the easy ones today. Thanks, Julie. <laughs> no, and I, I don't know if I'm going to handle this accurately, but um, the Bible says in First Timothy you know, 6, 8 through 10, that those who desire to be rich, so desire to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful lusts. So the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Hmm. Contentment can't coexist with a desire to be rich. You can't be content in the Lord and desire earthly gains to be rich and wealthy and, and right. constantly upwardly mobile. So godliness should be our desire, not wealth. They, you can't serve two masters. You can't mm. serve money and God. So this is a good litmus test for our prayers. Are we praying for possessions or are we praying to grow in godly virtues? Mm. Do our desires stem from selfish ambition and vain conceit? Or are our desires transformed to be God-glorifying desires? Mm, those are powerful questions to think about. So yeah, that's really heart-probing. And money kind of brings out what's in our heart. Um, money's a tool, but it's the thing that the heart can long or, or go after. Yeah. So it's a challenging topic because our hearts can quickly, you might be on the right path, but money can lure you away. Mm -hmm. So you can quickly turn aside from the path of faith and put our desires on what money can buy us. Um, we can begin to rest secure in our assets rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, we could hold more tightly to our possessions the more that we gain. Um, and we might be less willing to be generous mm. rather than to offer them back up to the Lord and to right. others for their use. So I think holding our possessions loosely and putting, keeping our trust in Christ um, helps us maintain a healthy relationship with money. Um, we have to use it. And it's not, you know, God blesses people at times with extra income. Does he do it so they can be wealthy and and famous? Right. Well, no. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes a platform, but why? Right. So that you can glorify God. So right. that you can share those possessions with others and be a help. You're a um, conduit. Yeah. Not, not a collecting. Pool. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. So no, I don't believe it means that all rich people have fallen into a snare, but I do believe that wealth should cause us to guard our hearts more diligently. Yeah. So Paul learned the secret of contentment, and he says, in plenty and in want. So it seems easier to learn contentment in a place of lack or need because your need is evident. You know you have to rely on Christ. You don't have anything else. But in plenty, which also can come from God, um, contentment can also be learned. And in that case, the need can become muddled. And mm. so the root of contentment is always fixing our eyes on Christ and not diverting our gaze from him, mm. no matter what fortunes or hardships we come mm. our way. That's super good. 
I love how you're asking those questions. And, you know, are we are we praying for possessions or to grow in godly virtues? That's a really good question to ask because um, I heard someone say sometime they can you can see um, what someone how someone lives and what they think by what they spend their money on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. Are we giving faithfully to our church? Mm -hmm. You know, and this is true for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, the Bible's commands on that. And are we sh are we being generous with those around us? I think those are really good things mm -hmm. to think about. And and we should think about them. We should. Yeah. This is good. No matter whether you have a lot of money or you don't, yeah. we should always be thinking about these. Okay, so Erica, I'm going to share with you one thing that I'm going to apply this week okay. and um, in these two chapters we've read, and I'm going to let you then share yours. Okay, so here we go. First, I need to, to, to start naming it, naming my sin out loud and calling it what it is. I need to do this for me because it's easier for me to dress it up and look pretty. Um, but actually, sin is death, and if I don't fight my sin and don't call it what it is, then I'm actually entertaining death in front of me, right? Mm. So I need to say what I'm being content, discontent or grateful or envious of someone or something or someone else that they have or jealous of a relationship. I need to name it and then I need to fight it. And I love those questions you gave because those are really good questions I could ask myself every day. Um, you know, about am I, am I praying, when I'm praying for this, is it, am I praying for selfish things or am I praying to grow in godly, godliness, right? Mm. And how am I living my life every day to glorify God? Mm. I think those are really good things. Awesome. How about you? Well, I think for me, I am working on living less on looking and more on doing. Mm -hmm. So um, she talks about social media and Pinterest and all the plans that really could just grow discontentment in our hearts that are online or on our phones. Um, and so I've just taken a break from my phone usage recently in past weeks, and I've noticed that I'm more content and I am more engaged in my own home. Hmm. So the accounts that I follow are pretty wholesome accounts. They're not, you know, sure, right. they're not bad. Like and baking and, bread or right. something. <laughs> and often they're Christian women and I'm yeah. learning things. But even though I'm learning skills, it's still me watching someone else live their life. Yeah. And it's not bad to do that. But if it's at the expense of me really living my life or if me watching them live makes me feel like I'm living lesser, um, then I think I need to step away yeah. from that. So I'm working on living my own life rather than watching someone else's life in excess. Hmm. It's just been food for thought for well, me. Well, I think that's a good point. I heard someone recently where what they did to help with that is they didn't get rid of their accounts, mm -hmm. like their Facebook accounts or Instagram. Okay. They took the app off their phone That's so that they could have to, they'd have to think about it before they decided to go to it. Mm -hmm. And um, or they put it in a place on their phone that made them process more yes. before they got to it. Not no on the guesses. front screen, you know, the home screen. That's good. Um, I think that's a great tool. I think there's ways to do that well, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, I mean, I, I'm a, I don't even use Pinterest very often, but when I'm cooking and I need something new, man. <laughs> like, yeah. But I agree with you. It's so easy to waste our time. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think the whole platform should, has to be thrown out, you know, if we can use it with self-control. Yeah. It can be very helpful, but yes, it's so easy to be idle and waste time on it. So, And we're going to touch on this topic when we talk about body image. Oh, very good. Because we're going to talk about how social media plays into our view of ourselves. Mm. So that's coming up that's in great. the next months. Hey, Erica, thanks for joining mm. me today. Thank you. Um, and I thank you all for listening for today's episode of Book Chats, um, put on by Unshaken Podcast. 
Join us actually next week. We're going to take a little break from the topic of contentment, you know, so you can get it all down, right? That's our goal. <laughs> but we're going to jump back into our feminology episodes. Mm. We're going to keep talking about biblical womanhood, and I have Aaliyah Bailey coming on. It's such good stuff, good conversation. Um, and the week after that, we'll actually hear from a woman who is living and practicing contentment in her life after she switched from a career woman to full-time mom of some little cute, adorable munchkins. Um, and it's just going to be a great practical episode. I'm sure that it will be helpful to any woman listening because sometimes our lives change and we have to be content with those changes. I hope you'll join us. Um, stay tuned then coming up with more episodes with Eric and I. We'll be back to chit-chat more about the rest of this chapter, but that doesn't mean you have to stop reading. You can just keep on reading or listening right through that book. Trust me, you will probably want to read this book multiple times. This is what I thought. This is my third time, okay? Remember, too, that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.